You're listening to the No Gray Areas podcast with Petra Coccola. Today's guest is Danny Johnson, Fire Chief for Verde Valley Fire District. Danny focuses on leading yourself and others through tragedies. Let's dive in. Danny Johnson, welcome to the No Gray Areas podcast. You and I have been friends for a lot of years. In fact, um, you were a fireman. There was a sergeant with the police department, and I was a pastor. We used to have coffee once a month, right? Yes, we did. So it almost sounds like a start of a joke, a, a yeah. fireman, a... Uh, a cop and a pastor walk into a coffee shop and we should finish it. But it was always awkward. You remember those days because you guys were in uniform and people would come up to us and they'd be like, man, thank you for your service. Can, can we buy you something? And then they'd look at me and be like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. And they were like, oh, okay. (laughs) And they they didn't know what to do with that. Yes. And you got to benefit from those relationships. (laughs) Yes, I did. I did. So we're going to talk about leading through tragedy today and we'll get into that in a moment. Um, I don't want anybody to click off right now and go, well, I'm not a leader because you, if, if everyone has to lead at times, you have to lead yourself, you have to lead your family. Um, you have to, if you're a teacher, you're leading your classroom. So we all lead at times, but you, as, as our listeners are going to find out, you've had to deal with leading through tragedy this last year in a huge way at, at a new job. Right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's been interesting. Just a little bit about like, my yeah, background yeah, is, yeah. um, I, uh, 22 years in the fire service and, uh, and, and where was that? There was, uh, and, I did 20 years at uh, a small department in, in North Phoenix area called Daisy yeah. mountain. And then, uh, can I back up even yeah, further? Absolutely. Because we got to back up and go. So we're, we're going to back up to you. You, you played sports in high school. You're pretty good, right? You had a chance to go play at the college level. Uh, yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I know those, <laughs> I know, but that's those skills still have part diminished. Of your story. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So no, I was uh, really passionate about football and, you know, had opportunity to go do that, uh, right after high school and a couple injuries and some poor leadership decisions along the way ended yeah. up, you know, coming back and, uh, Beginning my career, so it sounds with the like fire I need service. to have you on another podcast yeah, about exactly. poor decisions. Poor decisions, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. We all have those yeah. in our life. Yeah. So why, but why? What made you want to go in uh, as a as a fire fireman? Well, fire um, person. What once, do we call them nowadays? Yeah, we, yeah it's all good. We <laughs> okay. know you. We know you're getting that. So you know, when I came back uh, from ending, you know, my college football career, I uh, met my wife, and uh, at that time, uh, her father was a uh, captain with Phoenix Fire Department, yeah. and yeah. he had that question that most fathers would have: is like, how do you intend on providing for my daughter? And you know, at one time, I thought uh, maybe police officer, maybe yeah. I could be an engineer. I don't know. Um, but then he says, no, you need to come with me, and you need to spend some time with me. So yeah. um, I got had the opportunity to go uh, spend the day with him on his fire truck. Yeah. and uh station 10 in, in phoenix and uh ran a bunch of calls with him that day and from that point on uh, you, you i was knew. hooked you knew. yeah was part of it when you show up as a cop most people don't want you there when you show up as a fire person they're everyone very wants happy there, right? to see you <laughs> but yeah so but that connected with you you like you just knew that this is what i want to do yeah it just clicked yeah. and it just became clear and it just yeah. became a passion and it since yeah. that day it's been everything that I've poured into and worked for. How many years total have you done between the, the, your first part and then you came back? We'll get to that in a moment. Um, I just finished my 22nd year in the 20 fire sec- 22 yeah. years. Yeah. So you start off your work and you go up as uh you started what? what yeah, level? I started as a reserve fireman, just volunteering my time and uh, fortunate enough to get hired and, and work through the ranks of firefighter, engineer, went to paramedic school, 
was a captain, promoted into the chief ranks as a division chief and a deputy chief. And then uh, this opportunity last year in March presented itself to be the yeah. fire chief of Verde yeah. Valley Fire District. And that's kind of where I am now. It's a small fire district in the Camp Verde, uh, Cottonwood, Cornville, Clarkdale area and yeah. in Verde Valley. It's so interesting because when we first started meeting for coffee, whatever, almost a decade ago or whatever, we were meeting because we were talking because I was in second chair of leadership. You were at the time. Yes. So we were talking about how do you lead from the second chair? That's yeah. what we would meet and talk about. And yep. now you're in the first chair, so you wouldn't even... You wouldn't show up at the coffee shop anymore with me, would you? <laughs> no, so, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. So, so you did that for a while. You stepped away for a short time, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, I took a little break. Um, you know, sometimes leadership can drain on yeah. you, and and you sometimes you need time to reflect. Right, yeah. you need time just to look at the decisions that you've made as a leader and the failures that you've had as a leader and and figure out where you can grow and, and where you can change and where you can make a difference using those experiences, good and bad, and kind of refocus. So I did take a little time away from being a chief. I still was engaged in the fire service. And, you know, I worked for a, a company that builds fire stations and I was able to make an impact and, and help a lot of chiefs and departments that were looking at building fire stations and making them safer and cleaner environments for our firefighters to work in. But that's another interesting part of your story, right? So you were in your early 20s when you when you started, yes. right? Yeah. And you you're like this is what I want to do. Yeah. And I know I knew you at the time when you stepped away from it and and really at the time you're like I'm done with this. Had a great career, loved it. I'm going to move on to something. But in your time away, you found out you still loved Yes. Missed it, wanted to be back. At Absolutely. It. Yeah. In yeah. my time away, like you said, it gave me time to reflect and yeah. and uh, look back. And it gave me time to refuel as a leader. I mean, sometimes you just get drained and, and things just weigh on you, you know, and tragedies and just life and, and responsibilities. So it really gave Especially me time. Especially as a first responder. Absolutely. Because right? yeah. then you're dealing with life and death, things, difficult things you've seen. Yeah. So it gave me a chance to step away and find my passion again. And, and really when it came down to it, you know, my passion was leading and impacting people. And I wasn't able to do that in the position that I was. So mm -hmm. I said, you know, what, it's time to start looking for a place to come back. So you end up coming back, you're fire chief now. Yes. Um, but, but, and this comes into the topic we want to talk about today, you stepping into a new department, a new position, all the stuff you have to learn anytime you step into something new like that, but then you immediately are dealing with your very first year with some major tragedies, right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, any first year fire chief or CEO yeah. or president or pastor, you know, that first year you're learning budget, you're learning culture, you're learning anything you can about that organization. You're flipping rocks and finding surprises under every rock that something that the former chief didn't yes, tell you. Every or, yeah, every yeah. leader has to do that yep. in their first year, and that and that's part of that tough first year. For me, you know, it was just a crazy situation, a, a lot of different circumstances where, you know, I had three, you know, major news stories and, and tragedies, and they seemed to kind of get progressively worse. Each one followed the next mm -hmm. and um, through that year. So, you know, a couple months into my stint as the fire chief, um, we had a 1200 acre brush fire that was the largest brush fire in that community's history rip right through the middle of town. And we had evacuations of people and houses and animals. And there was there was no loss of life. Mm -hmm. There was no, we, we managed to save all the structures just thanks to heroic efforts and, and some things that the guys were able to do on that initial attack that, that saved it. But it started that little bit of panic in the community and, and a little bit of tragedy in the community because it impacted their lives and, mm -hmm. it, and it changed the direction mm -hmm. of, of a lot of the people and what, what their day-to-day -day activity were. They lost property. I mean, fortunately, nobody lost lives. So that was our first 
tragic event. And how, how long had you been fire chief? Was that? Um, I was fire chief about three months. Yeah, you're definitely still flipping rocks trying to figure out. Oh, yeah. And, and then yeah. boom, this happens. Yeah. And then what's the, so what's the second tragedy? That so happened? about a month later, you know, I was sitting with my wife and I get a text message and says, hey, we've got a pretty significant water rescue going on in, uh, in our community and our guys are on scene. Um, unfortunately, at that time, um, there was a 16-year-old uh, girl that was swept away in that flood. And uh, unfortunately, you know, she didn't make it. And, and four days later, we were able to find her body. But the impact that that had on a four-day campaign of a search and rescue effort that you're dealing with thousands of volunteers, you're dealing with multiple agencies, um, you're dealing with a grieving family. And there was a personal aspect to this one as well at this point. The, the, the young girl that perished, unfortunately, her grandfather was the fire chief that I replaced. Hmm. So there was a relationship there. Yeah. There is a relationship with the community because it is such a small community. Yeah. And then there's also grieving of the firefighters that were first on scene that couldn't do anything, that didn't, that, that had no opportunity to do what they want to do and save people. Yeah. Um, so and they're having we're, to deal with that. So we're dealing through, we're working through that and on someone, multiple levels. And, and, and let me just jump in because someone who doesn't, that maybe didn't live in a, in a small community, yeah. you know, if you grew up in like a Phoenix or an LA or a Chicago, I don't understand. Like, so when you're dealing with this girl, uh, everyone knows her. Oh yeah. Like the, it's, that's, it's not like yeah. someone you see on the news and a name and you know, when you live in Phoenix and it's like, wow, a 16 year old girl died last night. You're like, that's sad. Yeah. But when, when they, everyone knows her and they've grown up with her. And so that's, that's the deal. That's what you're dealing with in that community. Then. Absolutely. And her family's been ingrained in that community for decades. Yeah. And uh, you know, her, her mother and father are, you know, figures in that community and her uncle worked for a neighboring fire department that was actually on scene that night. So there was just so many tragic and heartbreaking elements to that story that, you know, you're having to look at that from multiple different angles. Mm -hmm. And I want to, I want to get back to that in a moment because you're, I, I, I can't imagine like as a fire chief now, again, you're still trying to figure out culture and all the different things you have to do as a new leader. But now on, on, on multiple facets, you're trying to deal with, you know, like you said, multiple agencies working mm -hmm. together. You got, you have some of your guys that are grieving over not being able to save her. You mm -hmm. have a community. I mean, all those things. But what was the third tragedy then? So boom, you get hit with this fire. Then you get hit with losing this girl. And then. Yeah. So then, you know, a few months later in October, um, unfortunately, we lost a firefighter. Um, we lost a firefighter in line of duty death. Um, you know, our firefighter uh, died from COVID. Uh, he transported two COVID patients um, in October and a couple of days later uh, became extremely sick and you know, contracted COVID. And then about 14 days later, he ended up dying I mean, in a, the hospital. Fairly young guy, right? Yeah, like 35 years old. And, you know, he left behind a wife and a five-year-old son and just an entire grieving organization of friends and family. And once again, it's a, it's a small community and he grew up in that community. So the ties and the emotions run bigger than just the people that are initially impacted by yeah. that loss of yeah. relationship. Everybody in that community is grieving. And I just saw on social media this last week where you as a department went over, the little boy was turning six, right? Yeah. And you guys all showed up at his school. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I love about first responder police and, and fire. You, you all are so good at that kind of thing of like walking with those families. Yeah. And that's part of the leading now, right? Like it's not that he's no longer with you. You guys still have responsibility to that family and you're leading through that too. Yeah. And, well. that, and that's the one thing I think that's unique about, you know, tragedies is, as a leader is 
a lot of times when the initial event's over, you're still leading through it. Mm-hmm. When everybody goes away, you know, as a leader, you're still leading the family through it. You're still leading the organization through it when nobody else wants to really hear about it on the news or anything about anything like that. But it was a really awesome experience to be able to take this this uh, young man who's turned six years old and surround him by the firefighters that his dad worked with and celebrate his birthday with his class and just make it special for him. And, yeah. you know, we got messages from his mom and his teacher later on that day that all he did was talk about this is his best birthday ever. And uh, those are the things where you can really make a positive impact yeah. on people while you're leading. Well, I'll tell you, anybody that saw the pictures, know the kid wasn't joking. Yeah. That big yeah. old smile on his face and your whole team with him and everything. Um, there's there's a lot of things we can jump into, and we had talked about some of these questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one out that we didn't even talk about, but I think it's so important because again, sometimes people listen to this and go, "Well, I'm not a leader. I don't know if this really applies to me." Um, but again, you all of us are leading at some point. All of us go through tragedy ourselves at times. You know, we've lost a loved one, or we lost a job, or whatever that might be, and we have to lead ourselves. But let me ask you a question that I didn't even throw your way. Oh, <laughs> surprise! Yeah. How how do you how do you do self care during that? Because this is the, especially yeah. especially like you were that you're at the top of the leadership yeah. chain in the department that you were in with the fire department there, and you're dealing with all this stuff and you you, you can't deal with your own stuff right. You have yeah. to kind of put that aside for a little while. I, all first responders have to deal yeah. with that in some ways. How do well, you do that? It's funny that you go there because that was actually uh, one of the sections that on. Uh, areas that I felt we need to improve or, or towards the end, things that I think I could do better or advice. And, you know, one of the thing as the leader that you forget to do a lot of times is you're, you're taking care of everybody else. You're mm-hmm. taking care of the hurting, you're taking care of the, the people in your organization that need the help or the family that's impacted, but you forget to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, there's, and it's not just physically, it's mentally, it's emotionally because you give, 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 and you're depleted. And then you start having the effects of that. And then the other thing that you kind of fail to do, and, and my wife can probably attest to this, is is you forget them as well. And you forget the impact that the tragedy has on your family, on your family. as the leader. And you not only impact yourself, but you start impacting the relationship of those that are closest to you. Patrick Lencioni wrote a new book, and I know a lot of our conversations, we yeah. bring up like five dysfunctions of a team. You wrote that. Um, wrote another one about, you know, what kind of employees you get, people that uh, are hungry, humble, humble, and smart. But his recent book, he says, I wish I would have wrote, written this one first because it's why someone should lead, which is really a question you need to ask. If you can't answer why, you shouldn't even be leading. And what I've loved about you, Danny, in the in the decade that I've known you is you've really lived this out. And he talks about if if you're not there to serve, that's what a leader is, is a leader is someone who is serving. And so you you live that out so well. Um, but that's what you're saying. The difficulty is if you're if you're a good leader and you're about serving, you're serving your team. You sometimes forget, though, that I got to take care of myself, too. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to to serve them well. Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and we're the first ones to, well, I can skip this. You know, I, I don't have to plan my meals. I can just pick something up on the way because I got to get to this meeting or, you know, I don't, I'm tired. I need to sleep in. I don't need to go work out. You know, it's all the same excuses that sound so good because we validate it because we're helping others. Yeah. Right. We validate our own neglect because we're helping others yeah. in these tragedies. And that's such great advice because that goes to a parent, you know, like some, mm-hmm. some mom with a bunch of little kids or something. Sometimes she's just like, I just don't have time to do this other stuff. And what ends up happening is she becomes very unhealthy mentally, emotionally, and then she's not going to be as good a mom. She's not going to be able to lead her family as well. So it's such a great advice there. So um, what what are 
obviously you had to lead through some tragedy this last year. What are some challenges that you faced in leading through tragedy? Um, and again, this is great advice because yeah. all of us are going to have to do this. We've done it in the past. We have to do it again in the future. Well, I think for me, some of these tragedies that that were that were interesting is because they were so public, right? All these made the news. All, I was doing national news stories. Um, I was providing updates on all of our social media accounts, and we were providing the information. And I think managing that information and managing reliable information was a huge challenge when you're dealing with tragedy inside your organization and external because people are watching it. So I just think that you know one of the challenges for me was making sure we were given accurate information because. And sometimes we didn't have information to give. And when you're not, when you don't have new information to give, or you keep saying the same thing over and over again, sometimes people begin to question, right? They begin to question what you're doing. Are you really telling us the truth? Are you really doing everything that you can mm -hmm. do? And as a leader, when you're pouring your heart and soul into these events and you start getting questioned, it can really take its toll on yeah, you emotionally. Yeah. So I think just managing that information and, and when, when there is a tragedy, people are hungry for information. We're in a society where everybody wants to know. And right? instant, they want to know yep. now. Yep. And when they don't get it, they fill in those gaps with rumors. They fill in those gaps yep. with their own interpretation of the story. Or even sometimes people take advantage of those situations. It's just so, heartbreaking. So to, and to give you an example, right, there's the thing you dealt with with that young lady, that 16-year-old. Mm -hmm. It was four days? Four days. Yeah, so everybody's wondering, they're waiting for information. And I remember when you was talking about at a national scale, you know, especially anybody in greater Phoenix, this was on the news every night and, mm -hmm. and they're, they're wanting information. Yeah. They need information, yeah. but you don't have some of that. No. You, you guys are looking too. You're yeah. Yeah. Every morning, you know, as part of our morning routine, we'd be prepping for news briefings and making sure that we have the, the most accurate information. And that was stressful because sometimes we had things that we thought or we knew, but we didn't, we couldn't confirm it. Um, but, when you're disseminating information on a tragedy like this, you have to be accurate and you have to be reliable. It just, it goes to against your credibility if you don't give them accurate information. You know, what's interesting on that is we just had a guy on a couple of weeks ago on this podcast and he was talking about trust and leadership. Mm -hmm. And he brought up the fact that one of the, the most difficult things with leadership and trust is information. Mm -hmm. So it goes very much in line yeah. with what you're saying is that that is such a big part in trusting leaders. Uh, trusting up to leaders and leaders trusting down is yes. that information and he was saying that as something grows as an organization is growing too what worked before doesn't work anymore so you're, you're always trying to figure that out aren't you yeah you are and and i think one of the misconceptions and things that mistakes that we make sometimes we're leading to tragedy is the assumption that because we're in a position of leadership we have all the information and we have all the answers when we don't Right. We don't always have the information. So we've got to be able to know the people in our organization, in our community and be humble enough to ask. Right. Ask the questions. Yeah. Gather the information so you can get a better picture of you the know, entire I'm, event. I'm smiling when you said that, because, again, I'm trying to get our listeners to understand, hey, you may not be a fire chief. Yeah. You may not run an organization, but this applies to you. And right when you started saying that you don't have all the information, my mind flashed back, as you know, my, my three children are all adults now, but mm -hmm. my mind flashed back to a time where I was laying into one of my kids because they did, and I didn't have all the information. I was completely wrong. And yeah. I was like telling them, you know, man, you're grounded for a month and blah. And if I would have just paused and waited and gotten all the information, it would have completely changed the story. Yeah, right? exactly. But you're saying in leadership so often, we think we have it yeah. as leaders, but we may, we may not. You may not. And that takes the humility to yeah, ask. Yeah, and you have to ask. Yeah. And be humble enough and, and to hear the answer yeah. that you may not want to hear. Yeah. That's the big part, isn't yeah. it? To hear an answer you may not want to hear. Yeah. Yeah.
Are, are there things that if you could go, and, I, and, and I'm just trying to learn from your situation, are there things that you would do differently or that you learned from this? Um, I guess the things that, one of the things I learned, I think that as a leader, and I should have known this, but I must have forgot it, right? Um, as a leader, your circle of impact is bigger than you really realize, right? And, and during these events, um, you know, I, I felt like we were giving good information, right? I felt like we were uh, getting the accurate information out and, and getting direct information to the people that need to hear it. But there's always people on the peripheral of these events, right, that, that you don't necessarily always think about. Um, just to give you a, a kind of a story about why that why yeah, that rang yeah. true with me. At the end of this four-day campaign, right, um, that we're dealing with this this young girl that, that died, um, I was at that school. We were at a high school in the local area every day for four days, giving information, giving updates. And we had just given the final press conference and that we had found her body. And the, the event was it was coming to an end, and we were winding down. And I had two football players um, from that high school in tears hmm. come up to me at the end of that whole event and just give me a hug. And I was just we just want to know what the deal was. And they just wanted to, they just wanted to thank me because they said, you know what, we were only getting our information from you. And we just appreciate the fact that you were sharing information about our friend and you were giving us the stuff that we needed to hear to help us get through that. Wow. I had no idea. You were never doing a press conference for that. You were talking to the high school football no, team. No, not even a bit. And the other thing mm. is I'm talking about the death of uh, our firefighter. Right, I'm dealing with the, the the family, and I'm dealing with his wife, and I'm dealing with his child and his family, and my firefighters. One of the things I forgot about was the wives of the firefighters that are still there, mm. and I had multiple wives come up during the after funeral and during the services and just thank me, and thank our organization for taking the time to care for their husbands, mm -hmm. and and make sure that they were okay, and and they felt that they had an organization and a leadership team that cares about them. Mm -hmm. And it made them feel better and more comfortable as, as the spouse of a public safety, knowing that their husbands worked in that type of environment. Man, that's so good, Danny, because I think that's true where anytime we're leading something, we have no idea the sphere of influence is what you're saying. Um, a parent has no idea that when they, when they choose to parent well, that that's gonna impact two, three generations, a teacher who teaches well or a coach who coaches well and is leading well in those areas, they have no idea that the influence they're having on those kids um, are is going to impact maybe their children and their children's children and their children's children. And in your case, you didn't know you were talking to a football team. No. Or you didn't. You were thinking about the the people on your department, but also you realize, man, it goes into their families. Like yeah. It's it's having an impact. So to always keep that in mind, that sphere of influence is 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 big. Anything else you'd say on that? Well, I guess the other thing that I thought really rang true, and the things I learned about that was, as the leader, be willing to be vulnerable, right? Be willing to share your hurts, share your fears, share your pains, because so many times I think, you know, we can co we become robotic as leaders, right? Mm -hmm. We become, I, I am the leader. I can't show any emotion. I have to get through this. Because sometimes we tie those as weakness. In yes. The mind, we, right? we, yeah, it's we, not. It's not a weakness. Yeah. No. And, yeah. and if you're not careful, careful about showing your vulnerabilities, it'll sneak up on you. For me, right? There was a couple times, um, you know, I had, you know, during this, this event, this four day event, when we were searching for this girl, um, I had multiple firefighters in my office just pouring their hearts out in tears mm -hmm. and just devastated. And I was taking that on, taking that on, taking that on and helping and encouraging and leading them through this 
because that's my job, mm -hmm. but I, and I love it. I'm not complaining about it. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't realize is I was about to go be part of a community prayer vigil. And um, some of the community leaders asked me to come up and pray on behalf of public safety. I got about seven words into that prayer. The dam broke loose. And praying for my public safety firefighters and, and the police that were hurting. And I lost it. Mm. And initially I'm going, oh, what did I just do? But yeah. you know, the the feedback and the and the 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 input that I got from other community leaders is that you know what? You came off like a human being. Yep. And if anything else, as a leader, you need to be a human being, you need to be personal. Yeah. And I that in some ways that shifted in the last few cultures. Oh, yeah. Um I think there was a time where, <laughs> where leaders were supposed to be like, you don't show that, you don't. Yeah. But I think yeah. we do live in a time where even the younger generations behind uh, you and I, uh, they, they long for that. They yeah. long to see a leader who will be transparent and, and honest. And they recognize they, they, they aren't perfect. And, and not that like, like losing it in that prayer, that doesn't show imperfection. That actually yeah. shows that you care, that you had empathy, that you had compassion. Yes. Right? And, and I think in public safety, we're getting there. You know, that, that's been one of those huge cultural shifts in public safety um, in general that you have to be tough. You can't show emotion. You can't let these things get to you. That was what it used to be. And mm -hmm. we're realizing the effects in our industry of how damaging that can be because we manage tragedies every day. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're day in, day out, we're managing tragedies. And if you don't have yeah. the things we talked about to make you healthy, yeah. there's some really long-term effects that, that that can have on you as a person. So. Well, I remember we one of our coffee meetings we had back in the day when a cop and a <laughs> firefighter and a yeah. pastor walked into a coffee shop. Um, one of the conversations we had, it was a book and, a, and I think a, a speaker that you heard at a conference, and they were talking about um, first responders are one of them, but they they take on stuff and then they don't have enough time off. They don't have enough break to like let that go. And then they go back to work and they take on a little bit more. So it's almost like layer after layer after layer just builds. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a decade. Sometimes it takes a couple of years, maybe a couple of months. Yeah. But eventually that's going to break. Yeah, exactly. And, and it can and, come out in unhealthy ways then. Yeah, and there's science behind it. And this is way too much for us to talk yeah. science. Yeah. I don't think either Are you saying I couldn't handle that. it? No, but there's doctors <laughs> that understand this stuff. Yes. But there is medical science behind that levels of stress and, and it never mm -hmm. st stabilizing and the effects it can have on you psychologically and physically and your family. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge issue in the fire. And service. again, this is where it fits. It's not just first responders, but you know, if, if there's someone listening who's maybe they just, you know, you had a move, you had a job change, you had kids moving out, you had a loss of a loved. If all this stuff is happening at once, you, you've got to figure out how you're going to stop and help take care of yourself because it's it's going to break. Like we just as humans, we can't handle all of that yeah. without taking some time. So this isn't right. just a conversation with first about first responders. No, this it's, is anybody part of that's life. dealing with stress yeah. in life. Yeah, yeah. So um, wh what, what do you think are some mistakes that are often made in, when we're leading through tragedy? I'm not talking about what you guys did, but what yeah. are mistakes that are often made uh, by people that have to lead through tragedy? Well, I think we talked a little bit about, you know, you know, forgetting to take care of yourself. Here's one of the things that I think I've, mistakes that I've made when I'm watching other people go through tragedy, right? So many times um, our peers, um, other fire chiefs that I know of, and I'm sure people in your life that you know that are going through tragedy, right? What I have done and what I've failed to do and mistakes that I've made is not reaching out to them, right? So many times when I'm going through, when I was going through those events, a simple phone call from a friend, a text message that just a little bit notes of encouragement. Those were so timely throughout all these events and encouraging that those were the times that got you through the really hard parts, mm. right? 
So I think if you know somebody that's dealing with tragedy, you know somebody that's going through a hard time and you know about it, encourage them. That's such good practical advice because again, every listener right now, I can guarantee you they know someone who's going through something. Just So you're just saying, just reach out, shoot them a little text message, yeah. say something, let them know that you're yeah. thinking of them, you're praying for them, whatever. And tell them they don't have to respond. You don't, yeah. you don't, I don't want to burden you. Yeah. You don't need to respond, yeah. but I just want you to know that we're thinking about you. We're praying yeah. about, we're praying for you. We're encouraging you. We're here if you need you. Yeah. And it means the world for somebody yeah. that's going through a lot of that stuff. Yeah. That's great practical advice. So, so that would be one. What are, what are some, what, what's another one that you think that are mistakes sometimes that are made? Well, you know, as we were kind of talking about this, no gray areas podcast, I, I was, le I was thinking about, you know, leading and, and leading through tragedy and where are the gray areas in, in that? Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I thought about, you know, some of the tragedies that were in our gray areas because we don't understand them, right? They don't make sense to us. We yeah. can't rationalize them with their human yeah. mind, why they did that. Um, you know, when we're managing a tragedy, so many times in our world, we have policies, we have procedures, we have everything to walk you step by step on how to deal with the tragedy, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're dealing with the tragedy, you're managing a process. When you're leading through tragedy, it's people-centric, right? You're leading Wait, people say that through, again. That's right? good. That's good. Okay, I don't know so, if I can remember it again. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> when you're managing a, you're, you're managing processes, yeah, that's what you're When saying. you're managing a tragedy, right? Yeah. You're managing a process. You're managing, okay. this is the this is the step-by-step -step process yeah. so on how we, we make through this event. Number one, number two, right? number three. Okay. But when you're leading, when you're leading an organization and you're leading people through tragedy, that's people-centric, right? That is impacting people. And I think when I was looking back on that, the gray area in leading through tragedy, I, to me, is what you're doing pre-tragedy, right? How are you leading prior to the tragedy? Are you impacting the organization? Are you a servant leader prior to the tragedy? Have you built that trust factor with your, lead, with your organization as a leader? Are you pouring into them pre-tragedy? The more that you have that going on before a tragedy ever happens, and I believe that the more positive impact you can have on the people at the end of the tragedy, because all about leadership is impacting people, right? Even through tragedy, it's our job as leaders to impact people in a way that makes yeah. a difference in their lives. Yeah. We're not leading processes, we're leading people. Yeah. Always, always. Even when we're leading processes, the processes have to do with people, so it's always leading people. But man, that's so good what you're saying, though, it's what you do before. Because again, we're talking about leading, leading through tragedy, and what you're saying is you gotta back up. Mm -hmm. Like the most important thing, you gotta back up. If if all you're going to talk about is leading through tragedy, you're going to miss because the most important stuff is what happened before that, the, the, the weeks or the months or the years, however long you've been there, yeah. that you've done, that you've, yeah. And what do you think are the key things that have to be done prior to that tragedy that are so important? Like, what are some of those things? Man, I would say 100% it's your actions, right? You can have, and that's one of the things is, is people remember your actions, right? You can have all the eloquent words, you can have everything that people want to say in front of a camera and well written out and, and, and great, great information in your words, but people forget what you say. Mm. But I really think they remember what you do. Yeah. They remember how you treat them. Yeah. And they remember the sentiment of, of how you help them through a tragedy or help them through a process or just were there for them when they needed it. The old adage, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> it doesn't work in this. Like yeah. when, when, if, if that's what you've been doing as a leader. Yeah. It's when tragedy hits, you you have no capital with them. No, and yeah. it, if that's the type of leader that we're still dealing with in today's culture with all the information that we yeah. have, unfortunately, that's a leader that doesn't want to lead. Yeah. What what kind of culture 
because you, you brought that up before. Yeah. It's one of the things that you're learning. So what, what kind of culture are you trying to develop up there? So you're in you're in year two now, right? We're just we're just getting ready to start year two. Yeah. Yes. Man, Hopefully it's ready to go. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make some changes. A <laughs> lot of stuff that you've had to yeah. deal with though in year one. What what would you say that you're you're going, well, this is the kind of culture that we want to have? So it's funny that you, you asked that because this past year, I've been having those conversations with an organiz- with with the guys in the organization and the membership in our organization, and and just you know asking them about culture, and I think you can learn a lot about a, a culture and the type of organization that you're walking into when you start asking those questions early on. So, there, there so was, I got to pause here okay. for a second because right. I don't want to miss I don't want anybody to miss what you're saying. Yeah. I think that's so key. So you came in and you started asking. Absolutely. You were asking questions. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, that I had made sure that we were intentional in our conversations with every member of the organization, asking questions about what's important. If you ask somebody what you value, what I found is they don't know. A lot of times, unless they've spent some time thinking about it, asking that question, they don't know. But if you ask questions. most people don't wake up in the morning going, what do I really value? No. They don't, they're not thinking. But if you ask those questions like, well, what do you like about your job today? Or asking questions that get them to start speaking about what's important to them. Yeah. And then over this year process, we've been able to, you know, really get an idea of what our organizational values are. So it's funny, just our last staff meeting that we had last week, this almost a year process, I've kind of been able to lay out what we've been able to settle on as our organizational values. And, you know, I didn't give them to them. I didn't say these are your values. It was all information based, and it was See, all. See, that's a, that's another. I gotta I gotta pause okay. again because that's such an a, an important point that you're saying. If you went in as a new fire chief and everyone was fired and you were just bringing in new people, in some ways you could go, here's our here's our values. Yeah. Or or say here's our values. I'm gonna go hire people for that. But because you're coming into an organization where there's human beings already there, you're having to do it a little differently. Where you're going, I, if I just tell them what our values are, you're losing a lot. There's no buy-in. Yeah, there's no buy-in. No. So. So you spent the last year really trying to figure out what do they value? What's Absolutely. important to them? What's important to you? And you're you. building your values then off of that. Off of their feedback, their input. And and we're not just rubber stamping them. We're there I've given them back, you know, what they feel our values are, are virtuous, empowered, resilient, dedicated, and excellent. Right. And that really came from th- that, came that came from them. from them. Right. That came from statements that they brought to me. Yeah. So, but I'm not just, just saying these are them. I'm giving them back to them to make sure that that's what they believe. Yeah. Because before we put them into place, we've got to make sure that they truly believe them. They got to make sure that this is the filter that we're going to make decisions for. They're going to, this is the filter that we're going to bring people into the organization or promote people in the organization. Yeah. So until we have that common belief, yeah. we, it's hard to move forward. Can you say those again? What, what were those values again? So it's so, virtuous, okay. empowered, resilient, dedicated, and excellent. Okay, so you have five of them. Yeah. And again, what ends up, what a lot of leaders end up doing is they go to a conference and they hear those, or they're listening to this podcast yeah. and they hear those. They write them down, they go back to their organization, and say, yeah. here's our new five values. Yeah. And you're saying, that's they, not going to work very well. No, they shouldn't do that because if you know the first letters in those, it spells the word Verdi. Ver- oh, nice. So you can't Which, steal it. You're the, you're <laughs> the fire chief of Verdi Valley. Of Verde Valley. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's nice. That's, I like that. I like that. That's memorable. Wow. But but again, those those you maybe had to tweak the words a little bit to make it fit that acronym. Slightly. But the, but the ideas came from your team. Yeah, the ideas, right? Virtuous, pure organizational, and individual motives. That's yeah. That's what we're looking for. Empowered to do what's right, right? Resilience, right? We're safeguarding our members' mental, emotional, and physical well-being. 
which is everything that we've been leading through is being resilient through tragedy, right? Dedicated to the community and each other and excellence and it's balance and efficiency with perfection. So, and these were things that they gave me. All I had to do was try to go find them yeah, to and you organize had a, you had a mind for them. Yeah, we had to dig for them. Like, like you said, you didn't sit down in one meeting with each of them and they just naturally said no. it because that's the, they hadn't been thinking. As a matter of fact, the first meeting that I had, it was blank stares. It was just like, oh my goodness, what is this guy talking about? Yeah. And it's taking 11 months of mm -hmm. genuine conversation, mm -hmm. genuine leadership, genuine actions to get mm -hmm. them to start buying in and giving feedback. I bet there's a pretty tight group there now. I mean, there's you, know, you have a bunch of humans, so there's always messes. Mm -hmm. There's always messiness involved. We get that. We bring messes just because we're human too. Yeah. We, wherever, whatever room we walk into, we just brought another mess yeah. into that room. But because of the tragedy that they went through this last year and because they're part of building what the future is going to be with this, uh, I bet there's some, some connections there that are pretty deep. We're building them. Yeah. We're building them. And I think that as we build them slower, the stronger that they'll be. There's another one, Danny. As you build them slower, the stronger they'll be. So we could go off on that tangent. Now. Sorry, you keep, you keep, I don't, yeah, I didn't mean to extend <laughs> you this. You keep yeah. bringing stuff up, but that's another great one where yeah. sometimes as leaders, especially we're wired, you know, we're, we're, we're activators. Yeah. Um, when, when should we start? No, yesterday right. exactly. when should we get this thing done yesterday but slow sometimes is the healthiest way to build and i struggle with that i want to go fast yeah, yeah you i know, know you have know. a vision We're wired that you way. you see you like i think this will work yeah and you have to trust your gut but sometimes like you said i struggle with that you have to slow down yeah because if you're running outrunning everybody else who are you leading right yeah. everybody's chasing you you're not yeah. leading anything yeah and you get too far out and front, you, they can't even see you no, anymore. And then you're no longer so, you're by yourself <laughs> yes, on an yes, island. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which a lot of leaders are, Absolutely. that's where they are and they don't even realize it. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything else you want to add before? I, I have the two truths and a lie. I, I, I've, been, I've yeah. been prepping for that. Yeah, yeah I've been yeah. prepping for that. Yeah. No, I appreciate the time and... Uh, you know, it's yeah. been, it's a little bit overwhelming. Why, you know, why me and why do you want me to speak on this? But I appreciate the fact that you're, you're giving me the opportunity. Well, and Danny, I watched it last year. I mean, we, again, we've been friends for, for a decade now, but I watched it last year. You stepped into a new role and I've been in those situations before where it's new and you're trying to figure everything out. But then all of a sudden it's like, boom, boom. And, and, and it's, it's, we're friends as couples, you know, our yeah. wives are friends as well. And we're, and so just even reaching out to your wife going, man, how's he doing with this? Because it was like, it was like you were getting, you were trying to almost tap out. You know, I think of a fighter and then you're trying to tap out and, and the ref's ignoring yeah. you. And it's like, boom, you're getting hit with something else. And yeah. so, but you've led well through that. And I think you've learned lessons that you're able to teach all of us. I think that's what leadership's about. Yeah. Yeah. So appreciate that. Thank so you. two truths and a lie. Ironic because this is no gray areas. I'm asking you to lie to me. Exactly. See and, if we can figure it out. And you do know me. So I had to dig a little deep. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah. I had to try to figure this out. I have hunted in five different states. Okay. I was involved in a bench clearing brawl. I shot my brother with a BB gun when we were kids. <laughs> you know what? Every one of those is believable because you love hunting. <laughs> I can totally see you in a in a in a bench clearing brawl. I'm gonna say that's the truth. Bench clearing brawl. Bench. I was involved in a bench yes, clearing see, brawl in high school. See, yeah, because that, that was also me. a soccer player. It was a soccer brawl. So. It was a soccer brawl, yeah. so no one was actually connecting. Uh, they were swinging. I did get voted best right hook on the soccer team. You that did. Year. Yeah. You did. That's awesome. <laughs> but that's a whole nother time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm almost happy to know that that was the truth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So then you, you hunted in five different states. Yeah. And then. I shot my brother with a BB gun when we were oh, kids. Man, I can see you shooting your brother too. 
I'm going to say that's the truth. You shot your BB, your brother with a BB gun. I did shoot my brother in the yeah. feet with a yeah. BB gun. Yeah. Yeah. He you was, have he, hunted a lot, but. Yeah, but, but I want, I'd love states. to hunt in five states yeah. and hopefully uh, in time, my wife will let me go hunt in five yeah. different yeah. states. But Montana. That Montana's Montana, on the list. You. Wyoming's on the list. Yeah. Maybe Alaska. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you got to dream big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Danny, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate especially how you've led well last year and for your transparency with that and the lives that you're impacting through that. I mean. You, you truly are. There's generations, like you talked about those football players. Um, you impacted them. They're high schoolers. They're going to be different dads and leaders in the future because of the way they saw you lead. So appreciate that. Thanks Thank for you. coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the No Gray Areas podcast. To dive deeper into the story, be sure to subscribe, follow us on social media, and check out nograyareas.com.